So I would see this out in the neighborhood. I would see this extreme definition of what masculinity was. Right. You got to fight. Um, you cannot cry. You cannot show emotion. Uh, you have to be tough. At the time when I was born, my mom was with a woman. She was um, gay. And they had me um, artificial insemination. So that's why I don't know who my dad is at all. The whole goal was to have this neutral look. Uh, having that look, causing that questioning, will cause people to leave you alone. You just want to be left alone because of the drama and the dynamics. The risk of being too friendly, then the risk of being too tough. And um, there was just so much stress and so many dynamics that could get you hurt or get you in a world of trouble. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Today is an episode that is a part of our Stories and Solutions approach, where we hear a story from a couple, then we take it a step further and get some solutions for you to apply in your own life. So we've been trying to get this particular couple to do a podcast with them since I think before Christmas. <laughs> so it's been a while. Definitely before COVID, that's for <laughs> sure. COVID. So uh, there are our personal friends and they have some very incredible stories. And so we are really looking forward to uh, hearing them today. So welcome Monte and Rachel Easter from Sacramento, California. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about changing generational patterns in your life and marriage. And so it's an honor to have the two of you here. And um, it's, on, it's an honor that you've trusted us uh, enough to open up and be vulnerable and share your stories. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. Well, we'll kick this off by asking you each. Um, we want to hear how you met and how uh, your marriage has unfolded. But before we do that, we want to ask you each to share a little bit about your backgrounds. Um, so we'll start with you, Monte. Um, so just maybe tell our audience um, how you grew up, where you grew up, and some of the dynamics in your background. Uh, sure, sure. So I grew up in a small town in Central Valley, California, Madera, California. I was born there in 1988 uh, to my mother who had, uh, I had two older sisters, um, I'm the youngest of her children, okay. and I'm oldest of my father's children, who has five. Okay. And so uh, lots of siblings. Yes, lots up. of siblings. And uh, growing up in uh, Madera was it was a, it was a very different dynamic. Uh, I would say the first six years of my life, um, it was very Americanized. I mean, there was a lot of, um, what did you say, black, white, um. And then after six years old, then we had uh, a lot of uh, families moving in from Mexico. So it was a okay. transition of cultures. Mm. Um, in my household, my mother uh, was a single parent, and uh, she was very uh, disciplined. She was very militant in how she ran her home. 
our our schedule was the same Monday to Saturday afternoon. Okay. We'd get up at six, go to sleep at ten. And so uh, my mother, my mother's biggest uh, goal for us was to be able to survive, mm. uh, to be able to take care of ourselves, that being cooking, cleaning, uh, working, um, just along that nature, being a good person yeah. and uh, being able to just be a strong, solid individual. Mm. And uh, just in that household, uh, we had roles and there was expectations. School was number one. Okay. Uh, however, surrounding us outside of the neighborhood was a complete, total opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of um, uh, violence. Um, kids as early as age, early as ages, maybe seven or eight. Though, keep in mind that they have siblings that older siblings that are in gangs. Mm-hmm. So there's an aspiration there to yeah. follow in those footsteps. Wow. And wow. so every household was different. So when we would get together at the park and you have these clashes of homes coming together, uh, it would be a lot of uh, fighting. Yeah. And to a degree, I would be able to keep up, but not to the extent of them because there's a lot of rage mm. these young men had. Yeah. And because of that, uh, it would, I would just kind of like, whoa, it's, this is a lot different mm-hmm. households. So yeah. it was a lot of uh, fighting and dealing with uh, uh, the the different households of which my friends came from. Uh-huh. And while I was focused on the education route, they were more focused on uh, the street route. Yeah. And so I would say, like, in experiencing this, I felt more like a narrator because I wasn't partaking of it, but I was there because these are my friends. Mm. And it was a particular situation where I had to stick close to my friends uh, because there was... Uh, a issue going on between uh, the Latinos and African Americans in my neighborhood at that time. Oh, okay. So for me to be alone would be trouble for me, even as early as n- n- yeah, nine, ten years old. Even at the elementary school, we had to uh, go to the bathrooms together because of that. Mm. And uh, wow. yeah, we had to meet together to walk the school. This was elementary school, middle school, and this is just the dynamic you had to deal with. But mm. because you know, my my mother uh, was really stern on keep teaching us in regards to how to navigate through these waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the aspect of growing up in a household with, with uh, just women and not having a, a male figure, mm-hmm. uh, you tend to, as a child, you see what your sisters are doing. You want to be a part of what they're doing. Okay. And there's no boundary set. So with me, you know, my sisters are uh, doing uh, ladies-like things. Sure. Well, I don't want to be left out. Mm-hmm. I don't have a father figure in the home. So that and so it's a con, uh, confusion of, OK, I can't participate with my sisters because my mother is telling me, you know, now you can't do that. You're a boy. I was uh, like, well, who am I going to hang out with? Yeah. Mm. So I started to take on the, the attributes. It's just kind of yeah. like a, a, um, a, a confusion. Mm-hmm. So I would see this uh, out in the in the neighborhood. I would see the um, I guess you could say this extreme mm-hmm. definition of what. Uh, masculinity was yeah. right. You got to right. fight. Um, yep. You cannot cry. You cannot show emotion. Wow. Uh, you have was to that, be tough. Was that appealing to you when you looked at it from the outside? It was uh, from the outside. It was something I really desired, but at the same time, I, I didn't think I was conditioned to uh, take on those attributes because of the household I was up in. Oh, okay. Although my sisters were roughing me up, the the psychology of it was was like, how am I going to beat up a guy? When my sisters were beating me, ah, uh, wow! So, and you were nine and ten years old with this dilemma. Old. Yes, going with the on. dilemma. So, fortunate, and my mother—no, uh, no disrespect to her—but she she had boyfriends. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I could count two. The third one she married. Okay. This third one was great. Mm-hmm. He was great. Um, he was from Mississippi. He was old school. And he stepped in right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took me to work with him. I learned how to mix concrete. I learned mm-hmm. how to um, do stucco, drywall, mm-hmm. um, construction, roofing. He taught you some skills. Yes, yeah. yeah. You know, and um, this came at a perfect time because then I was able to give a confidence about who I was. And uh, I had a role model to follow. Mm-hmm. And the problem about it, though, was the leadership aspect. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to follow the role of a man because he was my stepfather and my mother never gave that full authority to my stepfather. So there was a level of how we could, we could talk to my stepfather that we couldn't talk to my mother. Mm. Like if we talked to my mother a certain way, there'd be repercussions. But if we start talking to my stepfather a certain way, uh, we couldn't, he couldn't cross that line because we had our, we had our dads in our lives. Like my dad lived in a different city, Stockton, California. And he was uh, active in my life to a degree so if something were to go wrong, I could call my dad mm. and then stir up more issues. Sure. So did that happen often? No, no. And um, so with my stepfather, he did he did a, a, a great job of showing me work ethic, mm-hmm. strength, and uh, just giving me an idea of what hard work looked like from a man's point of view. But mm-hmm. in terms of how to lead a family, in terms of how to love uh, your wife. That was foreign to me because their relationship was very distant. Mm. And you combine that with the environment that you learn to be uh, have a stone cold exterior. Mm. The whole goal was to have this neutral look. Uh, He's not smiling, but he's not trying to be tough. So it's kind of like, okay, what is this guy about? Mm. And uh, having that look, causing that questioning will cause people to leave you alone. Ah. You just want to be left alone because of the, 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 the drama and the dynamics. The risk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The risk of being too friendly mm-hmm. and the risk of being too tough. And uh, it was just so much stress and so many dynamics that could get you hurt wow. or get you in a world of trouble. So you learned to blunt your emotions. Yeah, and just blend in. The, the yeah. goal was to try, just try to be in the background mm-hmm. as much as possible. And uh, with the combination of that, I think it uh, uh, groomed me to be almost emotionless or emotionless yeah. and to just uh my my, my uh, stepdad and my father always just said that don't try to get anybody to understand your world it's mm-hmm. not it's not it's not their job to understand where you come from mm-hmm. the only thing is the only job that you have is to make sure that your work ethic stands out to the point to where they respect you mm-hmm. all you want is your respect this is what i was taught wow. and uh that was uh that kind of made me feel like I was robbed of this of the experience to love someone, yeah. and uh, I think uh, that was something in getting married. I don't want to jump the gun too much. No, please, just but, um, it's a good place to share it. I think that that put me in a situation where I was having to fight this, um, I guess you could say, this callous to love <laughs> my wife, yeah. and. Um, because in my mind, as I'm trying to hug my wife, as I'm trying to hold her hand, as I'm trying to kiss her, in the back of my mind, I'm hearing everything my, my cousins is telling me. Everybody from the block that was telling me, oh, man, you know, you got to be tough. Oh, I know you ain't hugging her. Oh, man. you this And this is going through my head because this is what I was taught. Sure. You know, you don't give, you don't show your emotions. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. called being soft, being weak uh, and tough. So it's like. And you don't get respect that way on the right. street. Hey friends, 
We'll be right back to our interview, but one quick note. If you love what you're listening to, you might also enjoy going through our card decks that we designed to help couples stay connected and in each other's world. So there's Foundations, which is our starter deck, and it's all about boosting your communication skills. And then there's Sexpectations, which is all about spicing up your intimate connection. And then there's Realizations, which is a deck for all couples, but especially dating or engaged couples who want to see how well they really know each other. So grab a deck or two, or three, by heading over to our website, dearyoungmarriedcouple.com slash cards. All right, back to the show. Is that what you sold to Rachel, that you were a tough guy and that you were, you know, that persona? Um, no, I think I was just more, I think I saw I was mellow, I think. Yeah. Uh, more more laid back, but in that mellow laid back, there's there's like an emotionlessness there. Yeah. Like, no see. no PDA. Uh, okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> because that's dangerous because it opens you up for criticism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. could take away the respect factor that you were working toward. Yeah. <sighs> to keep my friends uh, mm. not making making fun of me or saying, mm-hmm. oh man, you know. Oh, your puppy love, oh, my man in love. You know, things of yeah, that nature. Yeah. I've seen friends getting fights over that because they like their girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, man, you in love. And then, like, oh, man, I'm not in love. And then all of a sudden, they, yep. they wow. get, in a, get in a fight. So, like, it's like this this world that I could be experiencing freely mm-hmm. is being hindered yeah. by, like my mom would say, you letting people hinder your world that don't even pay your bills <laughs> or are responsible for you eating or the bed that you sleep in at night. Mm-hmm. And when I really think about that, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm proving, I'm trying to prove myself to people mm-hmm. who don't even have anything to do with my day-to-day life. Yeah. So I, I, I think wow. I've, I've come a long way in that regard, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, not to take too much longer. Um, this is good. But um, yeah. for me being, being poor and uh, I'm sorry. If I'm, okay. <laughs> for me being poor coming up, um, my whole ambition was to, I got to get out of here. Mm. I have to get out of here because everyone that I knew was either joining the local gang, was getting involved in selling drugs mm. or using drugs. Mm. I, I'm talking as early as like six year, sixth grade. That's, I think that's 11, 12 years old. Yeah. I remember talking to a friend of mine. Um, we were in the fifth grade. His mother, unfortunately, was uh, hooked on drugs, so he had to take care of himself since third grade. And uh, his hygiene wasn't the best. And I remember him telling me in the fifth grade, I'm tired of this, man. I'm, I'm going to get me some money. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then sixth grade, you know, we're walking to school. He's got this bag. He's got two backpacks. He's dropping a backpack off, picking up a backpack, dropping it off. And then we go to school, learning learn long division. And then afterwards, we come back. He picks up a bag, drops it off. Wow. And then he gets paid some money. And I'm like, that's a lot of money. And then he takes it to this house to drop it off because if his grandma catches him, I'm like, what is a 12-year-old doing with $300? You know, mm. Something's going on. Yeah. So seeing this take place for me, it was like, I don't want that. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm making the sacrifice to not do drugs, to not mm. partake in that. It's And my mom is working these, these jobs. She's working two jobs. She worked at a... Um, it's called a, um, a tienda, a store. Okay. And in there you have a butcher, you have a, a cook, a, they have a taqueria, a panderia, dulceria, and a canaceria. So butcher, mm-hmm. uh, and my mother is in there working, doing everything. Wow. And she would come home and uh, she would say, I'm, I'm, I'm working my fingers to the bone. 
Mm. If you think for a minute I'm going to let you fail, I, you know, she would say off the wall things like, if you don't do what I tell you to do, like, if you don't accomplish anything, I might as well just kill you now. (laughs) And I can work one job instead of three. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So it's just like, so the pressure, the pressure, uh, my dad's side of the family, uh, everyone went to prison at one time. Mm -hmm. And it's like the standard was like, Monte has to make it. Monte has to get the degree because he's the, the square of the family. Mm. He's got to go to college. He's got to be successful. And you felt that pressure from the whole family. From from my whole family, especially my dad's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Because uh, all my cousins were part was being involved in that. So like my uncles who had done all that, they were saying they would they would tell me to my face, like, don't be like them. Wow. Like, we need you to so it's like, this is 14, 15 years old. Wow. So it's like, I'm making all these sacrifices. So my whole focus was, I am going to school. I'm going to be an engineer and I'm going to get this done. And it, and it, and it, and it was something to channel my anger to, cause I had a lot of anger and rage too. I didn't display it physically with fighting or anything like that. I found a way to channel it and I channeled it in, in school. Okay. And, uh, it, and that's what like fueled a lot of my, uh, my I guess you could say bitterness and the prove you wrong. I'm gonna prove you wrong. Wow. I'm gonna show you all wrong in my neighborhood who said because I had a single mom, uh I'm not gonna be anything. I'm gonna prove it all of you wrong because I came from this uh from a, a poor neighborhood and I didn't grow up with a uh, father. I had father figures who weren't necessarily the best father figures, but they were there. Mm-hmm. I said I'm gonna prove all of you wrong. <clears throat> uh. So I'm proving them wrong. I channeled it all to school. Wow. Mm. And um, that was your motive. It, yeah. I mean, you did some great things, but your motive along the way was, I got to prove everyone wrong. Yeah. 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 Mm. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it fueled me. When I met her, and we'll get to that, I told her, I said, listen, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I ain't got no job. <laughs> I can't dress because I have no fashion. I said, I'm not the best looking. But... I have one focus, uh-huh. and that is to graduate from college. That's it. And that has to come first. Wow. Because I cannot fail because of, one, I don't want to go back to Madeira to uh, my peers that I grew up with saying, yeah. oh, man, bro, what happened? Because so many people I left to play college sports. Uh, okay. One year, two years, they come back, and then they just end up being yeah. just regular guys on the – Yeah, just regular – has been on the on, in the neighborhood doing nothing, and it was like that haunted me. Mm-hmm. That haunted me. Like that cannot be me. Wow. Uh, I'm up at Sac State, 14, 18 hours a day studying. Yeah, obsessed. Like that can't be me. And it was just uh, so much was, pressure uh, too. Yeah. It's admirable in some sense, yeah. mm-hmm. it, but it's so much pressure. I can't yeah. imagine the emotion that comes with that for yeah. you. Yeah, it was a lot. I think my first month of college, I think I probably. I probably cried every day at the fact that I'm I'm here. Wow. I can't believe it. Like I'd be sitting in class and my friend James would be like, "Bro, you all right? You you crying?" I said, "I'm I'm good, man. I just I just can't believe I'm actually here. I can't believe I'm here." And uh, so that was my that was a definitely motive, and it, I just felt that that was nothing mm. was going to stop me wow. doing that. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah. So that I can't wait to get like because I could see how that would play into how probably affected your emotions when you graduated Mm -hmm. and then looking for a job and all the things you would have told yourself Mm -hmm. during that 
venture. Yeah, that was yeah. a nightmare. And, and I want I want to get into that. However, let's let's yes. let's now back up and and go <clears throat> hear Rachel's story. And she has a very unique and and different story, I think, than mm-hmm. than many other people. So we'd love to hear your side of how you grew up and that backstory. Right. So um, I was born in Sacramento, California. Um, At the time when I was born, my mom was with a woman. She was um, gay and they had me um, artificial insemination. So that's why I don't know who my dad is at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I have like a paperwork, but no name or Mm. anyways. Have you ever thought to pursue that? not really no mm-hmm. um my mom did at one point do the uh the dna thing and mm-hmm. i had like a half brother living in berkeley okay um but yeah yeah uh, it's okay <laughs> okay <laughs> um because i don't know if if i did find him and he had and he wanted nothing to do with me i think that would hurt even worse so uh, yeah. than to not even know who he is so it's a little risky yeah yeah but anyway, so um, my mom was with a woman, and they chose to have me together. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of like dad, in a sense. Um, okay. She was, you could say, the more manly one. Mm-hmm. Um, June, she's she's passed now. Uh, she passed before my mother. My mother is also passed now. So that's why I feel comfortable sharing this, yeah. you know, because when she was alive, um, I just chose not to tell too many people sure people i trusted but yeah anyways um you know and thank god that at one time she did actually was coming to church with mm. us and she received the holy ghost and, i remember that yeah and bet got baptized and um it's incredible. so but anyways they were together till i was about five i think about five six and then they split up and my mom got a new girlfriend, much younger than her, mm-hmm. and she was in the Navy. Okay. So um, we ended up moving. So she got shipped out to Illinois. So my mom packed. I mean, we had a house here on 47th Street that my mom owned. Okay. It was a nice house that I had grown up in. We packed that all up and um, moved to Illinois with her. And then after Illinois, she got shipped to Virginia. Um, so we packed up again and wow. <laughs> moved with her to Virginia. How old were you at these transitions? Um, Illinois, I believe we were there about two years. It's kind of hard to remember yeah. exactly, but uh, Virginia, we were there longer. I believe I was more like uh, still in elementary, maybe like fourth, fifth. Okay. Um, and so while we were in Illinois, um, my mother's girlfriend had to go on her six month voyage, mm. which like is standard. And, um, when she got back, she was very different. Um, she had changed a lot. She was, um, listening to like heavy metal music, started smoking cigarettes, mm. which she wasn't like that before. Um, and within, a couple of weeks they split up okay. after she came back and um my mom worked but uh i believe the the money that her girlfriend would help you know give so we could pay for rent and mm-hmm. whatnot uh, my mother's job alone wasn't enough because 
after they split up, um, we had to move out of where we were living and it was a mess. Um, yeah. we tried to stay somewhere. Uh, yeah, we tried to stay somewhere with somebody and mm -hmm. it didn't work out. So my mom actually sent me to my, uh, my other mom, okay. June, okay. um, which she lived in paradise here in California, but that's like a retirement town. Uh -huh. <laughs> no kids. People hear paradise and they think right. it's like Hawaii. No, it's, <laughs> it's no kids. I right. was, yeah. Yeah. And she she was with another woman too. Um, she what was, was nice. the custody situation between your mom and June? Mostly, well, because I mean, there was no like. I mean, back then, even say, let's see, twenty years ago, um, I don't believe a partner had any rights. So, okay. like, my mom couldn't get child support from her, even gotcha. though they chose to have me together. It's not mm -hmm. the typical, you know, but yeah. she would send money here and there and she would take me summers okay. most of the time. So yeah. I would fly back to California and mm -hmm. my aunt lived here as well. Mm -hmm. And my two cousins. So I would visit them too. Okay. Um, but so when you went to live with June, because the housing situation wasn't working out with mom, right. what, what did you make of that at your young age? What message did that send? I mean, I know my mom had to do it because she wasn't stable, you know, at yeah. the time. Um, so staying with June wasn't too bad. It was just boring yeah. <laughs> because there wasn't much for a kid to do. I was with her a good, I would, I think it was about six months because her girlfriend was homeschooling me mm -hmm. too at the time. And she actually was a professor at um, Chico. Okay. So, um, but anyway, so I, I went back home when it seemed to be more stable, but my mom was, it was because she was, she got another girlfriend mm -hmm. and was staying with her and, um, I didn't really like her too much. It was, I just kind of felt in my heart that my mom was just with her more for a place, a, a stable place to stay. That's wow. kind of looking back on it now how I feel about the situation. So okay. eventually though, the hardest part was when we moved from there. A f so my mom said that an old friend from Oregon was going to come get us. Okay. And I was like, okay, I didn't know who this lady was, but, um, someone from my mom's past, she didn't explain to me. It was a previous girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> um, so we pack everything up and we're going to move to Portland now to Oregon. So she comes to get us. We're on the way up, you know, we're driving in a U-Haul and, um, basically one night I was awoken to them doing some things oh, man. in the, in the bathroom, you know, and wow. it was really hard. Cause I was like, who is this lady? I mean, you could imagine if, if it was a heterosexual couple, same thing, sure. you know, yeah. A child just met this person yeah. and they don't know who they are. And now, you know, mm -hmm. trying to figure out your what, mom what's and, happening. Yeah, yeah. right. Your yeah. mom and them are doing something in the bathroom. Right. So anyways, um, that was traumatic. And then yeah. we get to Portland and we moved into her house and she had a, a girlfriend. But I mean, they it was unofficially they were married in, okay. a, you know, that was before. <laughs> gay marriage was yeah passed. Uh, i'm pretty sure in oregon it's they can now yeah um yeah officially but right. 
anyway, so I was like, wow, okay. Like, I'm young, but I I wasn't stupid, you know? Yeah, like, right. And so then it was okay for a little bit, but then the, the lady's girlfriend, I believe, started realizing her and my mom were more than just friends. Uh, and then... Wow. So yeah, uh, I f- I found some mean notes and other other things that she had she would leave, mm. and um, mm. it was just not not a good situation. Sounds but like it finally, was a lot of information for you to take in and process. Yeah. Like, did you ever share it with a friend or a teacher or anything? Not really. No, not not at that time. No. Okay. Um, although I did actually, I had one friend. So, and that's the thing. Um, talking about friends, um, moving so much cause that's kind of the pattern of my life. We just right. moved, moved every two to three years. We were moving to a new place yeah. and, um, I would make friends. I was good at making new friends, but even to this day, I would say that's something that probably affects me is keeping friends okay. because I never had a friend for longer than a couple of years. And right. then it started over. You know, mm-hmm. but I did have one good friend up up in Oregon, Tiffany, and um, looking back now, her own family was a mess. Um, I think her parents probably dabbled in drugs, and because um, mm-hmm. they were kind of checked out. So you whenever. guys kind of leaned on each other. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was troubled too. You know, so yeah. But um, but definitely too, with my mom being gay, I had to be careful, you know, who I told because there were times when I told the wrong person and they told everybody else. And then, Uh, and then you were made fun of. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and how did that affect your relationship with your mom? Like when that stuff got out? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever had like, I didn't have anger that she was gay, but how she went from one girlfriend to the next, even if she was with men, it would be the same as a child. I still had this idea, like that's not right. Well, and two cheating, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing she's with, Mm. you know, that person's with somebody else and you're allowing, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, cheating to go on or you're being part of it. Yeah. I already knew that's not right. That's not okay. You know, so I knew, um, the morals of you're only supposed to, I mean, just naturally, you know, yeah, yeah. I was like, you should be with just one person, you know, Uh, um, mm -hmm. at that, you know, being that young, but, um, that also kind of ties back to what you said earlier, that relationships are hard to stay in. Right. It reflects the same idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, so not only your friendships, but also your mom's relationships Mm -hmm. were an example that these don't last. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as I, so eventually we moved back to to Sacramento. Um, After all of that, we moved, uh, my aunt came to help us out and we moved back. And, um, and as I started to get older, and then, you know, I got into boys. Right. Because <laughs> um, I, never, I never felt myself an inclination to, to girls, yeah. to women. Um, Did they encourage that in you at all? My mom? No, mm-hmm. no. She, she never, like, 
but that's the thing. She couldn't really help me with boys because, she, I mean, she had a few boyfriends growing up, you know, when she was younger, but she never really had the talk, you mm-hmm. know, or what to do, yeah. you know, about boys until it was like too late. Because she couldn't really relate with you when right. you started liking boys. Right. So how did that affect you, that your upbringing, and then when you started seeing, well, mm-hmm. I'm choosing a different path, but how did that affect you going that direction? Well, when when I realized like boys were liking me um, and having little boyfriends and and whatnot, um, it felt good, like, because, you know, no father figure, obviously, right. growing up, no really men mm-hmm. that I can think of, a father figure, a man, really in my life. Male interest. Right. Yeah. So, wow. I guess, to me, the only relationship you can have with a man is, you know, intimate or mm-hmm. in a... I'm eventually, you know, in a sexual nature, right. I would say. So um, I think I gravitated towards relationships with with boys um, or young men when I was in my teens because I was searching for that love yeah. of, of a male. It was a void you were trying to fill. Right, mm-hmm. right. So in all the wrong places. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know, yeah. I didn't didn't know, know what to look for. That it was the wrong right, places at right. the time, right? Yeah. I didn't. Cause I had no help, <laughs> no, right. no guidance. And yeah. also I didn't, I didn't know my worth. You know, mm, I think that was a big, that. I think that was a big thing is that I didn't know what I was worth and what I should be, what the standard of what I should be looking for, mm. you know, um, Monte, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, you know, and, and not to give your all, right away Mm -hmm. and you know and and especially for a young girl wasn't brought up in church wasn't taught good morals really as far as sexual relationships you know um once you lose your innocence it's kind of like the next relationship you're like well how long do you make them wait Ah. you know it's kind of Mm -hmm. when i mean i i think people that aren't in church probably could relate to um if they are now in church just that mindset and it's Mm -hmm. such like waiting till marriage that is such a foreign idea now right you know like what Mm -hmm. wait till marriage like (laughs) but it's but it's because it's supposed to be a gift for your for your husband right you know and um but that wasn't in your that wasn't in your purview or that wasn't in your yeah what what you what you knew should have happened like you didn't have that moral compass pointing that way right but what you were getting out of it um was validation and male Mm -hmm. like kind of that filling that void of what a male can bring Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow Mm -hmm. how old were you guys when you met each other um, so uh, we were about 18, 19, 18, 19. 19. So okay. tell us the story. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> how'd you guys meet? So I, I, so I was a freshman at Sac State and my, one of my good friends who I would say is my best friend at this time was James who I went to high school with, uh, Rachel and, uh, <laughs> my, I, I had gotten the Holy Ghost in high school just to backtrack a little bit. 
Um, there was a time in my life where I was really searching for who I was uh, from a, a racial standpoint because mm-hmm. I was the only black kid in my neighborhood for the most part who I hung out with. Okay. Everyone else was uh, me- Mexican. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was to a point to where I wanted to be Mexican very bad. Wow. And it got to a point to where I started to resent who I was. I didn't like looking in the mirror. It was a lot of self-hate there. Mm. Um, you know, reading history and history class. And tell them, oh, the only contribution I'm, I can come up with is that I'm a slave, right? Mm. And it's like I didn't know anything beyond that. Yeah. So this is what my history is. I'm a slave. Wow. So that really that really, um, really messed with my self-confidence. So I had, I had started going to visit my family here in Stockton. I had an uncle who had spent some time in the uh, penitentiary. And um, for a summer, I was with him at my uncle's restaurant. We were working in the kitchen, washing the dishes and stuff like that. And uh, he started to take me through these history lessons. And I started learning about uh, historical figures that I didn't learn about in school. More controversial figures, Malcolm okay. X, uh, Huey P. Newton, the Black Panther Party, um, Nat Turner, mm. and uh, Sojourner Truth, and uh, all these all these, um, these re- rebellion guys. Mm-hmm. And... It gave me a, a, a passion, like the, their speeches were fiery, like be proud of who you are, mm. right. be happy of your coil hair, be happy of the <laughs> skin color, be happy yeah. of your big nose or things along that nature. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, and then my uncle, you know, preaching all this to me. So I got into some, some so from there I got into black nationalism like oh. crazy. I lost all my friends because of it, my wow. black friends, my Mexican friend, my white friend, because all I wanted to talk about was... Uh, politics regarding uh, racial relations, whether if it was American, wow. whether it was South America, historically. Then I got into government communism, mm. uh, Stalin-Leninism. I read uh, Taoism. I was just getting weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I was you nerded to- out, but you were also passionate because you identified with it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I like oh- that's how you do most things, though. Yeah. <laughs> for as long as I've known you, you just dive head first, it's yeah. super deep, and you yeah. go for it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's but, such a strength, though. Uh, yeah. Really. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's and, why you're an engineer now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, with that, with that, and I'm, I'm going to speed up. And with that, um, it really was just me trying to find a way out of my situation, the peer pressure, and everything. Mm-hmm. Like so I started going to church with my aunt. In Fresno, World Harvest Pentecostal Church, uh, Pastor Keith J. Walker. Uh, this was 2006, I believe. I went for along for for the whole year before I finally got the Holy Ghost. And in 2007, I just started to kind of radically transform, mm. boosted my confidence. Everything uh, I had a lot of low self esteem, and it just started to change my life. And I began to believe that I could actually be an engineer. I can actually mm. make it out of Madeira. So long story short, I get to say where were you? On, uh, where were you on your journey in education at that point when your confidence started boosting? Oh seven. Oh uh, yeah. seven. Uh, senior year high school. Okay. Uh, there was some. There was even though I had the GPA, there was um, some fear because oh wait a minute, college isn't free. Mm. What? That <laughs> scared me. Yeah. My mom is washing dishes. My mom is vacuuming. She can't afford college. So then I'm looking into scholarships and I can get a couple scholarships and then I find out about financial aid. This is afterwards, but there's so much stress now. Yeah. Here it is. Now my dad is who I'm going to be living with. And, um, 
my father is a, is a great man, but he built up a history of almost, you know, a little bit of unreliability. Mm-hmm. So is my dad going to pull through in this? Mm-hmm. So I try to join that. So I started doing things like, okay, maybe education won't work. Now I'm starting to doubt myself. Mm-hmm. So let me go try and join the military behind my mom's back. Wow. I, try to, I take the ASVAB for the army. I score pretty high, but I have a friend, Jeremy, and he said, well, bro, let's do the buddy system. I said, okay, let's go infantry then. I failed the the medical exam. I'm devastated. Oh, wow. So then I said, well, let me try the Navy. That didn't work out. So then, well, let me try the Air Force. So like, I was scattered. Uh-huh. My, my, I was like, I might not even, might not even be able because to Because of the fear. Yes. Yeah. Of the uncertainty of not knowing. Right. So I was almost ready to abandon the primary goal. But fortunately, my dad came through. Mm. And um, so I was so excited that I didn't even want to go to my high school graduation. My dad shows up. I'm like, let's go, let's go. It's this graduation is at six. My dad shows up at 11 a.m. I got my bag. My dad's like, what you doing, man? I said, let's go. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and he's like, you don't want to go to graduation? I was like, nah, it, it's just a high school diploma. Man. We got bigger things. We got bigger fish to fry, dad, like you said. And he said, I want to see you graduate, son. I said, ah. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we, ain't, we haven't seen an Easter graduate in how so-and-so years. Oh, wow. So it was a big deal for my dad. Mm. So I'm sitting there at the graduation like everybody around me is mad at me because I'm not clapping and cheering <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like man hurry up I gotta go I gotta get out of the city I, I'm just mm. scared something's gonna happen wow. somebody's gonna blow up the stadium like just a lot of wow. anxiety I'm like we gotta get out of here so mm. as soon as we graduate I get my diploma I'm like alright can we go he's like let's take some pictures man I'm like, pictures <laughs> my grandma wants to take a picture so finally we, we leave that night. Wow. And I'm still in my gown. My dad's like, take your gown off. I was like, all right. I threw it. <laughs> wow. Gave my mom a half hug. So I meet my friend James. I'm sorry for that backstory. <laughs> no, <but> that's <laughs> that's good. I think it helps with the background and context. Yeah. So I get to Sac State, and and I enroll in the summer math program, and it starts at 8. I'm getting there at like 5.45 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. I can't, wa- I can't I wait to start. Yeah. So <laughs> I meet James. I meet James at this program. And uh, he's electrical engineering major. I'm a civil engineering major. He's talking about going to the club. And I'm like, man, you know what? You know, I still have some level of conviction from, uh, from going to church. And I'm like, man, you know, I, I shouldn't really. You also had never been to a club. Yeah, I had never been never to a been. club. Never been. Okay. And he's never drank, mm-hmm. never smoked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even though you know that's amazing, square. It is. They called me square. I was square. They called me Rubik's cube. They called me cube. <laughs> they called me bear. I thought it was pretty cool. They called me bear, but it was for square bear. Uh. <laughs> but these were these were my friends called me. They called me wow. all these wow. names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so James uh, came to the house a few times, so he got a liking to my dad. My dad liked him, and my dad is like an old school, he's old school player. And so he's he's upset with me, like man, all you do. It's go to school and then come home. That's it. And do homework all day. Like, you got to do something, man. It's college. You get one shot at this, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, man, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking this out. He's like, yeah, I know, but enjoy yourself. So James is going to the my, – James, my friend, is going to the club. And I'm like, man, you know what? I'm going to go. We're studying. I said, man, I'm going to go with you, man. Let's go. Okay. And, and I had been saying this to him, this to him, like, every month for, like, three months now. And he's like, you ain't going to go. I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And the day, I'll never forget the day. It was May 31st, 2008. And the reason why I know this is because uh, this fight. you remember most dates. <laughs> I do. Kimbo Slice was fighting on X-Force uh, fighting television. 
And I said, I am not missing this fight. This was the night I was supposed to go to the club. Mm -hmm. So James, who lived in Rosemont, came to South Sacramento, which is a good 45-minute drive. Mm -hmm. And he's dressed up, you know, suited and booted, ready to go. And I'm sitting there not dressed. And he's like, bro, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm about to fight. Watch the Kimbo fight. He said, no. And he was so mad at me. He went and told my dad. (laughs) So my dad is getting ready for work. I hear my dad stomping in there. And he's like coming in there, stumping in. He said, "What's this? You ain't going to the club?" I said, "No, Dad. I'm from standing here and uh, watch the fight." And uh, so he says, "Okay, let me make sense of this. You mean to tell me this is my dad talking? You mean to tell me that you would rather sit at home and watch two dudes wrestle and 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 hug each other when you can go to the club and dance with all them pretty ladies?" <laughs> he said, "Son." Tell me how that makes sense. Wow. And, and, I'm just and kinda, this is your dad this is my encouraging dad. you. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. my goodness. And I'm just kind of sitting there, and James is like, yeah, explain that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, uh, you guys make a good point. Okay, fine. I'll go. So I get dressed, and uh, we go to, what was it called? Barcode? Yeah. Okay. And um, <laughs> no. So me, she knows the more details part. up to this point. <laughs> but she knows the more Take details. Okay, so basically, they showed up super late, and... Um, like he said, I knew James from high school, but I was I was hanging out with some girls that were really good friends with James. And the funny thing is, at one point, me and James almost dated, but we didn't. Okay. So thank goodness, because he wouldn't have, Monte probably wouldn't have dated me if okay. me and James had dated. I asked him. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, so uh, we ended up like together while while there in and we were dancing you could say but he was keeping like a foot between us and i was like what is he doing that's not you know that's not how you dance in the club i mean like okay this guy's different something's different about him but anyways uh at the end of the night we ended up together because our friends were looking for somebody we were all gonna leave and we just ended up talking for a bit you know and um he was telling me yeah i go to sac state and i was like okay i go to sac city you know Mm -hmm. and and um what his major was i thought man civil engineering okay (laughs) you know that's pretty serious major um and i think at the time i was actually ecology major Mm -hmm. so he thought that was interesting i changed (laughs) eventually though to liberal studies okay but um so then we we ended up you know going home and then the next day i text james because he was just kind of still on my mind like man that guy was pretty cool you know Mm -hmm. and so i asked james hey does your does your friend have a myspace because you know back then it was myspace (laughs) (laughs) before facebook and instagram instagram didn't even exist you know at the time and um he said yeah but he, he I'll just give you his number. And I was like, does he want me to have his number? And he's like, well, he already asked me for yours. And I was like, okay, well just, just give him my number. I'll let him, you know? And he's like, okay, well if it takes him like a week to call you or text you, uh, don't, you know, don't be offended because he's, he's shy. And I was like, oh, okay. But I think he ended up calling me later that night Mm -hmm. and we must've talked for like a good four hours. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it was really just a connection right away. Um, So what attracted you guys together? For me, um, it was just how open he was. Like Mm -hmm. 
he just told me about himself so openly mm-hmm. and honestly the good and the bad you yeah. know um which and, is interesting knowing now the backstory yeah mm-hmm. yeah but he he i felt like he wasn't trying to hide anything you know and a lot of guys that i had talked to before they ask a lot of questions about you but they don't really tell you about themselves too much uh, okay cuz they really don't want you to know who they are or cuz mm. then you'll find out they're really not about anything they're sure. really you know and monte he had i could tell you know he had ambition he was wanting to you know he was gonna finish college he was mm-hmm. gonna he had that drive and and like he said you know he told me i don't have a job i don't have a car uh-huh. <laughs> and i was like well i mean yeah you're in school full-time you're a civil engineer major like mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that's enough at the moment you know because <laughs> um and he and he told me you know i'm up at school mm-hmm. a lot <laughs> you know 18 um, hours a day wow yeah and and i was like well you know what that's good because you know i'm in school too and i need to be serious about it um and the previous boyfriend i had had before him um wasn't very serious about school and you liked that contrast it didn't help me you know Mm -hmm. it wasn't a good i needed a good influence to help me you know as far as the relationship we needed to be like-minded yeah you know and i like that and i was like what attracted I, you, Monte? I, when I first walked in, um, my whole thing is, uh, I think it's just a guy thing. Like, visual is, like, the first thing <laughs> you see. Sure. And there was a a, young, uh, a lady that I was actually talking to that was in the crowd with them. And, man, she was dressed crazy. And the way she was uh, displaying herself at school versus what I saw, I was like, nah, I'm done. Like, as soon as I saw Because <laughs> for me, it was like, um, oh, man. I always, this is like a, a personal mindset that I kind of developed early on. If I'm getting married, I want to marry somebody who I could, you know, it's like a business mm. almost. Not like, I, I love my wife. Uh, right. But. Trust. It's like building yeah. uh, an enterprise or an LLC. And I want to make sure that the woman I marry can properly raise my children mm. and teach them the right things. And uh, I, part of that, that like that motivation to get out and to establish something solid that's yep. not going to just yeah. fall away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when I saw her, she stood out. Now, considering the attire that you wear to the club, she was the she was the most modestly dressed. Uh. Like that. And, I, and and, you know, she had the glasses on. So I was like, <laughs> oh, man. And I walked in. It was the first one I saw. I said, OK. I said, ain't no way I'm getting her. I said, that's not even going to try. That's impossible. <laughs> And uh, but that they were with the group, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Why didn't James?" I'm thinking to myself, "Why didn't James tell me he knew her?" When I've been asking all the other girls, I was telling James, oh, "Man, hook me up." Mm-hmm. You know? uh-huh. But I see her, I was like, "Why have I never seen her before?" Mm. Uh-huh. So I didn't dance with her till the last song because this is embarrassing, but I'll just tell it. Um, I battled a lot in high school. It was the, the dancing dance, battle. was dance battles. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> it was called turfing. So turfing is like gliding, uh, uh, King Tut, Egyptian type, and gliding. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, a little bit over there. So I spent the whole- Telling on yourself right now. Yeah, I know. So I spent the whole night battling, and you know, I'm just, I'm beating everybody. (laughs) So funny. And there's a mirror in there, so we're battling in the mirror, so uh, I mean, it's- So that's pretty much what I was doing most of the night. I didn't dance with any ladies. I was just, I was just kind of like- 
battling, I was kind of thinking of my dad in the back of my head. Like, if he was here, he'd be disappointed. But it was, it was so funny. Waste, wasted the yeah. night. Pop, James even came. But to you're me. like, I'm winning. Yeah. Even James came over like, man, your pops, man. I'm gonna tell him. I was like, don't tell him. And then, uh, so last song, I, I'm dancing with her, and uh, yeah, I'm just saying to myself, like, in my mind, right? I had I had an imagination that uh, every girl that I would see at that time, I would imagine like. Would she be a good wife? Mm, right? wow. You wanted someone you could take seriously. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And when I was dancing with her, that was all that was going through my head. Could you know? I'm imagining myself like, okay, is she is she wife? She looks like she could be a pretty good wife. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she can cook. Um, I wonder if uh, you know is she good with money? Mm-hmm. What what her major is? What is her aspirations? What is her ambitions? all really good questions <laughs> that we all need to be asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is while we're dancing in this in this song going on yeah, I don't remember the song actually I do but I'm not going to say the song but um so I'm thinking about this and then I start then I had a conversation with her and I'm like oh she's really smart she's not talking about going to the to the mall how she got to get her nails done her hair done or what she want to buy we're talking about I think we were talking about science uh, a little bit of politics mm-hmm. and I'm like oh, okay so Long story short, James drops me off. My dad is working at Denny's College Town. She's on my mind. Like, I'm sitting there like, man, let me call James, see if I can see what's going on with, with the girl. I don't remember her name. Mm-hmm. I said, James, wh- wh- what about the, what about the one one girl at the at the club? Man, what was her name? He started going down the names. I was like, no, 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 the one with the glasses. He said, Rachel. <laughs> I said, yeah, man, let me, uh, she got a number? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll give it to you. And at first I was like, wait a minute, hold on. I said, how come with all the girls that I asked you before for their number, you never gave it to me? Why her? And he said, oh, man, she she's more for you. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right, all right. So we're texting, and then I'm sitting there like, man, you got to, you know, I got I to gotta, I gotta stop being scared. I got to do that. I got to call her. So I'm like hyping myself up, <laughs> did a few push-ups. And I said, okay, all right. Got the blood pumping feeling swole all right sorry <laughs> call her bam i said hello you know tried to use my deep voice didn't work and then then we just started talking and four uh, hours later four hours later then i got off the phone with her and i was like wow i was blown away i said this is incredible i told my dad when he got home and he said wow she sounds like a nice lady good job Aww. son and i'm thinking like dude you wanted me to dance with like fifty girls <laughs> but when he met when my when my dad met her he instantly liked her so we want to transition into kind of what changed for you guys um and so maybe share um like how you knew you wanted to go a different direction than where you were headed and then some influential voices and and how they influenced you so when i did first meet monte um i had started kind of seeking god um i wanted to know more about god Mm -hmm. at the time and i knew we had we had talked about it and Um, he had told me he read his Bible when I would come over, he'd have a Bible out. Mm -hmm. So I knew that, um, he went, he went to church here, here and there when he could, um, without a car, it was a little difficult, but eventually I was like, Hey, you know, I want to go to your church. And he was like, uh, okay. (laughs) He's like, well, uh, just cover your shoulders. And I was like, okay. I mean, that's what you do when you go to church, you dress up. Okay. So, um, we went and I believe it was the first service that we went. Um, 
Sister Simone took me down to the front because, mm. you know, worship was happening. And I probably like, I think I had raised my hands and she was like, she's like, you want to go down to the front? And I was like, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I had no idea, you know, like, why? <laughs> no, I just went with her. I mean, yeah. I just, I kind of just, I felt, I felt the spirit of God, you mm-hmm. know, I felt the presence of God in the rock church. Um, so she took me down and prayed with me and, um, yeah, I received the Holy ghost that wow. first service. The first time you were yeah. at church. And yeah. I was blown away cause I thought she was going to dump me after <laughs> I said, she's going to go to this apostolic church and she's going to see how crazy it is. And she's going to break up with me, but, <laughs> but I, it worked I out loved, the opposite. Yeah. I loved Aww. it. And so, um, I think I got, did I, did I get, uh, she got the Holy ghost first service in August, 2008. And she got baptized October, 2008 after a series of Bible studies wow. with sister Deidre, sister Simone, and sister Queen. Wow. Yeah. So, um, he knows group, his dates. <laughs> yeah. A group of elder later ladies, um, invited me to Bible study. So I started going, mm. somebody was a little jealous. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, man, nobody invited me to Bible study. Oh my goodness. But it was really good. Um, obviously sister Queenan, um, sister Deidre, um, sister Simone was there. And to this day, um, I would say, you know, so very thankful for them, um, taking me under their wing, um, even after Bible study was over, they'd invite me over or talk to me, you know, here and there, give me words of wisdom. Um, but so anyways, though, me and Monte continued our relationship. Um, and we did things together, uh, bef- that wasn't God, you know, um, uh, whatever. It was a, a struggle of, uh, teeter tottering sure. between trying to balance, a uh, new relationship mm-hmm. uh, with this conviction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we had a relationship <clears throat> that was based on the standard of the world, um, more intimacy than it was that was more pertained right. to a, a married couple, sure. while feeling this power of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. and yet having these mixed worlds of confliction, wanting to do the right thing but not yet uh, knowing how to necessarily direct it. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I would say at that point, I didn't feel conviction about it. I did. He, he okay. would. He would He would feel bad uh-huh. after we would do things um, intimate, you know. And it wasn't until he actually got a internship up in Oregon and he went away for the summer mm-hmm. for about three, two and a half, three months. That was three months. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a time for me that it was like, okay, am I doing this for him? Am I trying to have a piggyback God relationship for him or mm. am I really going to get a relationship for God for myself? Wow. Good questions. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you gotta, it really, you got to have that com- regardless of, mm-hmm. I think what your background is. You have to have that conversation yeah. yes. of like, who am I doing this for? Right. right. And I think even people that grow up in church could probably mm-hmm. relate to that. At, sure. at some point you have to decide, is this, my family's, Mm -hmm. you know, for my parents religion, or is this mine, you know, my relationship with God. But, um, so I stayed, I got even more, um, involved in church things, um, going out and doing a visitation for the bus ministry, how they Mm. would go and visit the kids on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. I'd go with Jessica Pelton and Mm. others. Um, I got into even mentoring myself, to where a few younger mm. girls um, 
that would come on the bus or whatever, I'd ask, hey, do you want to come to church more? Like Aww. I could pick you up. And that that's neat. That even helped me more because I wanted to be a good role model for them. Right. Then I felt the pressure. If I'm, you know, going to be bringing them to church, I need to be a good role model mm-hmm. and know my stuff. I need to, you know, be reading the Bible and learning more mm-hmm. about it. And then they had um, Spirit Life. Mm-hmm. So, discipleship class. Right. So, mm-hmm. I went and did. So, you really threw yourself into it. Threw mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Cool. And so, when Monte <laughs> came home. Yeah. So, what, what happened um, during my internship, it was like a, a face-to-face with with what I was, where I was going and what God was doing. Now, God was, that Kairos was interrupting my mm-hmm. life when I was in Oregon because she's getting on, she's, she's getting on fire. Yeah. We're still talking. I'm up in Oregon. Mm-hmm. I'm getting upset at the transition because now I'm fully kind of like, uh, I'm kind of almost done with the church thing at this point. Mm. And uh, she's telling me, you know, what Cody Marks was preaching, Pastor Young was preaching, Sister Queenan was telling her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, my arrogancy of like, oh yeah, I'm the civil engineering major and I got the girl who doesn't have any confidence about herself. This was mm-hmm. the arrogancy that was starting to build. Now it was starting to transition to like, whoa, I'm not that guy. I ain't nothing uh, no more. She loves, she's all confident. She's confident. She loves Jesus. She's found something. and She's found her identity. Exactly. Yeah. Her identity. And, and my worth. And her yes. worth. Finally found some so worth. Now, <laughs> now I'm having a confliction of seeing how God is transforming her life. Right. And I'm in a position where I'm doing research and I'm meeting with uh, really rich, wealthy people. And God is displaying to me, this is what you want. Okay, I'm going to give you a preview of it. And, and, that, and seeing that and then seeing the call of God mm-hmm. and it coming to a clash when I was in D.C. What is it going to be, Monte? Are you going to go to South Carolina State mm-hmm. to get all these internships? Or are you going to go back to Sacramento and, and serve God? Mm. No telling what could have happened if I went to Sacramento, uh, South Carolina. I could have picked up a habit that could have destroyed my life. Yeah. And at that, at that, that it was just, uh, it was just like at that point, it was, I was sitting in my hotel room and I said, I'm going to live for God. Wow. And it was uh, August 15th. I don't know how I know these dates. August 15th, 2009, where I said, I'm going to live for God. Mm. Got back to Sacramento. We did mess up one time, but then after that, we got it back. Uh, well, that right? time, that and time I, I got hit with conviction. Ah, uh, okay. For sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So at that point I started to really get it together and mm-hmm. I became completely sold out to to god Mm. Uh, i started doing the bus ministry thanks to her i met a good brother elijah herrera and his brother isaiah herrera Mm -hmm. who we would go out and do outreach i would see them how Mm. how passionate they were oh going to the prayer room Mm -hmm. after sunday night services these guys would be in the prayer room praying i'd be in there with them just soaking it all up and then i was able to create a my my own walk with god which motivated me from watching Rachel make her decision because I was all, I've always been on the fence. Mm-hmm. I was always taught you ain't got to do all that to be saved. God know your heart. Mm-hmm. But when I seen the transformation of her, where she came from, and how God transformed her life, and how sold out she was, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, the hand of God is real. It's happening right before my yeah. eyes. What could God do for me? And as I began to see the transition of God in my life, um, I just began to just really sell sell out to God and mm-hmm. begin to watch Him change things within me wow that's so incredible so what were the changes that you made as a result of that pivotal moment in your life well for sure um 
we, 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 so around that time we met with a couple that was, that was our friends and, um, they helped us out. They gave us a little bit of counsel cause they kind of went through a similar thing where they had been together outside of church and mm. then decided they wanted to, I, I think they got married quicker, but they did a bit of courtship mm -hmm. and then got married. So, you know, we weren't ready at that time to get married yet. Um, and, but we knew we wanted to stay together. So we needed, we needed to set up some clear, okay, how do we not fall into temptation again? Cause mm. you know, we wanted to do it God's way. Yeah. So, um, they helped us out and talked to us and we decided, okay, you know, for us, the car wasn't really an issue. Um, we mm -hmm. had, we had never really, it just, it wasn't an issue for us, but definitely being at his dad's house, going in his bedroom, you know, mm -hmm. it was just too much freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, okay, we're not going to be hanging out, you know, at your dad's house alone. Yeah. So you set some boundaries, right? Boundaries. Right. Yeah. Had to set some boundaries for ourselves more. Let's hang out with people, with groups more, mm -hmm. do stuff with other people. And, um, just really in general, not see each other as much okay. as we were. I bet um, that was hard too. It was, but uh, because he I was, was excited, <laughs> I was very yeah. excited that we got a game, game plan okay. in place. We mm -hmm. can start doing the right things for God. Mm. Uh, we can make this relationship right. Okay. And we can grow deeper in God. So it and eliminated then, some of the unknown and the fear. And it was, it was like some structure that you needed to feel yeah, safe yeah, in the relationship. Yeah. But also, though, because he had been gone for those three months, I created a a life for myself mm -hmm. in church. And before that, before him leaving, he was he him and school and mm -hmm. work because I work part time, too, was basically my life. Sure. I really yeah. didn't have that many friends, even from high school, because the people I hang out with in high school weren't, weren't good influences. Yeah, exactly. So I had broken off from them even before and that was a sacrifice to make to yeah. break off friendships when did you guys actually get married so i proposed i remember, remember that I, day? yes i do <laughs> i proposed may 22nd 2010 at the american river what time uh, i think it was <laughs> 10 10 p.m no, oh wow it, wasn't yeah, that it was late it was late because <laughs> I didn't know anything about like letting your friend know I'm gonna bring her this way. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know nothing about that. Yeah, I just we didn't take a picture. Right? We went to Scandi and Denny's, <laughs> and then I then we went to the American River and I proposed to her, and then we Aww. got we got married August 14, 2010. Okay. So, hmm. I guess to kind of transition it again, because it's I think where a lot of people are living, right? right. You had this upbringing very like you guys have been through a lot together mm -hmm. now um you guys are having to establish a new normal in your own family and you now you have you know you have friends alongside you that was one of the biggest i i think probably one of the biggest strategies or things that helped you um become the people you are today mm -hmm. but what are some of the things that you guys have done to form your new normal the thing is I, I had to first learn how to become a leader of a home mm -hmm. that wasn't something that I had seen. So Brother Queenan helped me tremendously mm. with that in regards to how to lead a home mm. and in how to uh, set the tone, set the standard, 
set the goal and this is where we're going mm -hmm. because for so long I had always looked to my mother as the leader. Mm -hmm. What are we doing, mama? How are we going to do this, mom? Sure. So it was early in our marriage. I would look to Rachel with that same sense. Mm -hmm. And um, there would be situations to where maybe she didn't have the answer and I didn't have the answer. So now we're just looking there looking silly. So once <laughs> I started, once, once, once I, I developed how to be a leader of my home, of course, thanks to Brother Queenan and Brother Ed and Pastor Young and his mm -hmm. preaching, it was able to help me to get organized and creating a path for in uh, controlling our understanding uh, the importance of finances, mm -hmm. family time, mm -hmm. and love together. Uh, Rachel actually orchestrated a lot of uh, things like eating at the table. Okay. We didn't eat at the table growing up. My mm -hmm. mom would cook. She said, it's ready. She'd go in her room. My sisters would make their plate, uh, go in their room. i go in my room. Very uh, survival-oriented. Right, 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 right. Put food on the table. So yeah. Rachel said, we're eating at the table. Mm -hmm. I felt weird. I'm what are you doing eating at the table for. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't grow up like that either uh -huh. but i had that idea that this that was something was supposed to happen yeah mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah wow and uh with the with the girls well we've kind of been off and on on it but after dinner we play a board game Aww. with the girls that's cool and trying to and another rule is that rachel established was that no toys in the, in the bedroom it's out here in the open okay so that we're constantly together get them used to everyone being in the same mm -hmm. room i love that that's and, neat. Yeah, and so that way uh, there's interaction constantly mm -hmm. going on. How did you guys implement this? Because these are probably very different than what you were used to. I think a lot of the things, the ideas that, like what he was saying, you know, eating at the table, and it's just some, it's things that I've heard definitely for, at church mm. in the preaching, um, Sister Young's teaching, mm -hmm. ladies' retreats, mm -hmm. you know, words of wisdom, golden nuggets from Sister Wilson or yeah. Sister Baus. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, before we had Hazel, we were able to go to a, a wedding, a marriage retreat mm -hmm. um, with Sister Beth Beth Baus. Awesome. And it was it was awesome. It was really good. Um, mm. And she gave tips, and so I mean. You just have to find, look for resources. Yeah. And you were within, soaking that up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Writing notes because when you don't come from structure mm -hmm. and a two-parent household and and you want to, you want that, you want to set up, mm -hmm. you know, or even Adam's parents, you know, when you guys interviewed them, mm -hmm. the, the uh, advice that they gave, you know, raising mm -hmm. your kids and... Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Also, uh, you know, like Pastor Young's message Sunday, you know, what what do people say about you? You know, Brother Queenan would always tell me that give some give a model for someone to follow. So what is your prayer life like? What is what is it? What is your walk like? And I have girls that see me, you know, I have a son. We have children. I have my wife and I want to be able to try to uh display a model that they can respect yeah. and appreciate. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for those who don't know you guys, share um, how old your children are. Uh, Hazel is going to be four this month. Mm -hmm. Sophia is a year and, and a half. And then you are currently how many I'm about five months Yay. with a little boy, Yay. so coming <laughs> soon in October. But also, too, um, I forgot one of, I would say, 
the biggest impacts for both of us, even when we were just dating, was going to families' houses in church and being blown away um, just at the family, the love and the... I, I, it was just, you don't even, I mean, neither of us had seen that growing up. And, um, I know we were very thankful for the families that did invite us over and fellowshiped with us and showed us, showed us that family structure and what it could be. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like a dream to look, you know, we could create that we Mm -hmm. could, you know, especially me coming, I was the only child. Yeah. And so I told him, you know, okay, we got to at least have like three or four (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't want that for my kids. Um, Mm, it was rough being an only child. And now, you know, it's something that just popped in my head is how big of an impact probably it was for you guys going over someone's house and watching Mm -hmm. them have family time or eating dinner where it's so easy just yeah sure let's have them over let's mentor but Mm -hmm. how much that really impacted and then on the flip side you guys have to be willing to be influenced to go Mm -hmm. over there Mm -hmm. to kind of face the unknown because it is easier not going over a place that you're not sure about what's going to happen yeah absolutely i remember uh going to the highlands house 2009 and everybody just sitting at the table talking no TV, no video. I'm just like, man, this is hmm. we're t- we're having a conversation. No yeah. football on. And, <laughs> and I was just blown away. Like, how can someone talk to each other for this long? Wow. But since we've implemented that in our home, mm-hmm. when we go visit my my sister uh, in uh, Fresno, they don't turn on the, the the TV. Maybe in the background, but for the most part. We're sitting there. When we show up, we're sitting mm-hmm. down talking. Or we get or playing, games out. We're playing a game, charades. Wow. Like we were playing charades last time at my sister's house. And she said, I can't remember the last time I did this. And I they had know. fun. <laughs> and so you've set fun. a new precedent mm-hmm. in your family of origin, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And my sister has so cool. now done that now mm. to where now there's no no TV time. We're just going to play a game with That's the kids. Neat. So. Uh, and, and for me, I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. Were these changes the result of lots of conversations between you two about what you want? Um, not, not for me, you know, because Rachel, when, when, some, when she feels a change that needs to be done uh, within the house, she prays about it. And, mm. and she'll come to me, you know, with tears in her eyes and she'll say, like, Babe, I, don't, I, don't, I think we need to uh, eat at the kitchen table i said so okay so you got a revelation from god that we need to eat at the kitchen table i said okay if 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 we're straying from it you know sure i mean you can you can start something and easily get away from doing it and then you have to readjust and no we need to bring this back you know because it was it had positive impact when we were doing it and Mm -hmm. we've kind of and and it's you know life happens i mean we've got church we've got busyness Mm -hmm. other ministries you know that we're involved in and but you can't forget family time too you know and and i think as wives i don't know if this is all husbands but we we have to remind just because we're in the same room doesn't mean we're interacting or spending time with each other. Right. <laughs> Whereas I think sometimes guys, oh, we're, you know, we're in the same house. Sure, that right. means we're together, right? <laughs> That's but I'll have true. to remind them like, okay, 
you know, how much of the day are you actually spending with us? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's interacting, talking. But or- the fact that you can receive that influence, Monte, is huge. Right, you right. know, that you can mm-hmm. say my wife had a revelation or she just has some conviction right now and she mm-hmm. is, you know, pushing for this change and just to be able to be influenced like yes. that. Yes. Yeah, so I, 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 my, my philosophy or our marriage philosophy is to have love. There has to be a manifestation and in that manifestation, we believe is communication and respect. Mm-hmm. Yes, she stays at home and I'm the engineer that makes all the money, but I'll never throw that in her face. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, who makes all the money again? Sure. I would never do that because yeah. I respect her and her commitment to our family mm-hmm. to raise our children. Yeah. And, and her sensitivity to, yeah, to her the sense. needs yeah. at your house, yeah, maybe. She's a, she's a sister in Christ. That's right. So she is my wife, but I have to look at her and respect like so, how would I treat my mother how would I mm-hmm. treat my sisters would I treat my wife that way mm, no she's not good. a doormat she's my wife who yeah. I'm responsible for so if she's not feeling good then I gotta what's wrong if yeah. there's anything I can do maybe I may not be able to solve it I'm learning to listen you know the nail in the forehead mm-hmm. thing yes. I'm learning not to take the f- nail out the forehead don't fix it oh, yes shit. I don't want you to fix it I reach right. for that nail Just sometimes listen. but I try to hold back but it's all about uh, communication and, and respect and Love trusting that. Yeah. that I know she's heard from God and I'm a simple guy like I'll, I'll, I like to study I just all I need is my little corner with my dictionary <laughs> my concordance and let me get an hour just some deep study uh-huh. and then let me go play some basketball and man you can do whatever whatever you want I'm yeah just, i just try to keep it simple my, my my dad or my uncle always preached like minimalism mm-hmm. so I, I feel like i'm a minimalist mm-hmm. in all things so that as life gets more complicated more kids mm-hmm. more bills or whatever mm-hmm. if i keep myself minimal then then i can focus on a lot of other things so <laughs> yeah so, so far I've heard um, Bible studies, discipleship class, marriage retreat, mm-hmm. friends friends, and going over to people's houses. Any ladies other, retreats. Ladies retreats. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Any other resources, books, um, recommendations that you have for ways to get more help for people who might be in similar shoes? I would say for me, I'm always looking for... Uh, I'm always looking for someone who I feel has experience. So when I was in a rut and trying to be a better husband, I I asked God, who do I need to reach out to? I'm looking through the altar, mm-hmm. scanning, and mm-hmm. I'm picking out three. I see Brother brother Queen. I say, okay, I'm going to talk to him, pick his brain, mm-hmm. tell him some situations that's happening. How can I improve? Uh, brother Locke, I'm, I'm looking I'm not being stagnant, waiting for it to come to me. I'm looking on, okay, I'm messing up in this area. I need to find uh, someone who I believe has experience. Maybe, you know, maybe don't go to go to church. Maybe you have an uncle that's been married 20 years, or maybe you have a, a, a grandma that, that has been married 40 years or mm-hmm. something like that. Th- those are resources yeah. that you can go and get that information that's from. Good. Because there's a, there, there's a saying that I always say, well, I guess it's my saying, um, <laughs> nobody is self-made. Everybody has a page from somebody else's book. Mm-hmm. And I always, I'm always looking who I, I need to find that individual who has experience in this area so I can get better because I, I consider myself a student of life and I don't, I don't, I'm, 
although I may try to master things, I always have the mindset of a student because mm-hmm. I always want to learn. I love and that. the only the advice I can give is to be a student yeah. and soak up as much knowledge as you can because you never know it all. Mm-hmm. And that day when you know it all, then you're, you're, you're messing up big time. That's so good. I think you both have adopted that mentality of mm-hmm. uh, being a student whether that's in education, you both graduated with your bachelor's degree together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but also just in life, you know, finding those mentors and attending those events and soaking it up and applying it. Applying it and looking to become better. Yeah. It doesn't seem like your ambition to become has dampened like yeah. or has diminished at all. Yeah. So that, and that's what it takes, you know, to really break the, the, whatever you don't have anything to prove Mm -hmm. now you're just now making an impact on people's lives which is really amazing well this has been so special to hear your guys' stories in this way i've heard tidbits of it but it's wow an honor that you're sharing it like this so at the end of all of our episodes um we have the dear young married couple letter so what advice would you give you um, maybe when you're just started getting, you know, when you're just married, mm. what advice would you give yourself and fill in the blank with dear young married couple, dear young married couple, do not be afraid to talk. Do not hold it in. Communication is very important. You may cry. You may get angry. You may be frustrated. You may have to think about what you are going to say and I advise you you should think about what you're going to say but but say it because nothing can move forward until the elephant in the room has been addressed mm. and every argument or every discussion should be ended with an understanding and a path forward a plan forward uh, do not be afraid for you for the hard calloused brother or even sister do not be afraid to hug or show affection, to hold a hand, to give a hug, to even buy flowers. You are not soft. You are not weak. You are not lesser than. You are a good person and you are thoughtful. And uh, that's about it. Yeah. Love it. Beautiful. How about you, Rachel? Dear young married couple, enjoy every stage of your marriage. Don't take the not having kids yet stage for granted (laughs) enjoy (laughs) it (laughs) because they'll come eventually and then you don't get as much sleep and time alone so but every stage has its blessings and just enjoy it don't always be looking to well what's the next thing what am i you know have have goals but don't lose sight of now i think Brother Queen and actually one of the things she used to always say or wherever you're at right now is the current will of God and just enjoy it, Mm. you know? And I think a lot of us can think, Oh, you know, marriage is going to be great when we have the family and the kids and the house and the the dog and the big backyard. And, Mm. but every stage can be beautiful and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Even when your car gets stolen and you're taking the bus. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) That happened. Oh wow. (laughs) We bounced back. (laughs) Of course you did. Oh, you guys, you're incredible. 
Thank you both so very much. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And we're, we're so happy to hear your story. This was really helpful. We love you. Love you too. Love, love you guys. guys. <laughs> All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dearyoungmarriedcouple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.